0: One of his passions now is to help bridge the gap so that others can discover the true light, which gives light to everyone entering the world. Now, here's Mike Shreve revealing the true light. He was the co-founder and apparently the primary
1: head of the South African Satanist Church. His name is Ryan Zwiglar. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. And recently, as many of you have probably seen on the internet, he claimed a conversion to Christianity. I watched Ryan's testimony, and like many of you, I was very moved by the sincerity that he showed, the depth of heartfelt conversion that seemed to have taken place. He broke from time to time to wipe his glassy eyes, wet with tears, and told the story how he had done an interview on Cape Talk there in South Africa on a radio station. And after he promoted the cause of the Church of Satan in that area, a woman that he named Amy came up and gave him a hug and showed him what he termed unconditional love. And later on, he found out that that woman was a Christian, and he remarked that that was one of the only times, one of the few times, he had felt that kind of love coming from those who claimed to be followers of Jesus, and that it impacted him greatly. Later on, shortly after that, he was performing a satanic ritual, the council of the church Had agreed that he needed to take advantage of this exposure, apparently. And he was involved in this ritual that was geared toward increasing his power and his influence so that he could more effectively advance the church, I suppose, in that region and also globally. And something very remarkable happened. He claimed to have a supernatural visionary encounter with Jesus that caused a major conversion in his life. And supposedly he left Satanism behind, resigned from his post, and has become a follower of Jesus. That sounds absolutely wonderful and incredible, doesn't it? It really did. When I was first presented with that information I rejoiced. And I thought, oh, how wonderful that is, how absolutely wonderful that is. And to be honest, when I initially listened to his presentation, it made me want to be more loving as a Christian. And I've always tried to present the truth in love, as the Bible says, because I think love does a lot more good than Harshness religiously, and so that really resonated with me, and I felt like contacting him. But I thought before I do that, before I contact him to see if he would like to be uh, posting his testimony, say on the TrueLight dot net, our comparative religion website, I had better search into this deeper and make sure everything is in divine order, in correct order in his life doctrinally. And I'm so glad I did because at first I thought his conversion was legitimate and real and for the glory of God. But the more I listened, not only to his initial presentation, but to some of the teachings on his Facebook page, the more I realized that he was completely mixed up according to my point of view, my biblical foundation that I've, I've placed under my life and all that I believe and all that I trust in for over 50 years, according to that biblically-based belief system, he is off in so many areas. So why am I doing this podcast? Normally, I do not focus on individuals and even mention them by name. I usually deal with doctrines, with concepts, with ideas. But I have a dual reason for wanting to do this podcast. I'm not attacking Ryan. Quite the contrary, I'm praying for him. I want to see him come into a real revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. I think he's very sincere, but I also believe he's sincerely wrong, just as I was when I was a teacher of yoga for universities in Florida and running a yoga ashram, I was passionately sincere, but I was also erroneously sincere. I was off base in what I believed. So if I were to talk to him, I'd say, Ryan, please listen to what I have to say, and and let it be known, let it be said from the very beginning. I speak these words in love, and I'm asking you to pray about your position on these issues, because I want you to experience real communion with the true and the living God. So at first I thought, well, he's a newborn believer. When I was newly born again, I got a lot of things wrong back then. So just give him time to mature. But then I found out in listening to some of his presentations that he was very familiar with the biblical point of view, having been part of a Christian group 20 years prior. And then he spent 15 years in witchcraft and then on into Satanism. So he understands, he's very familiar with the adulterated view of biblical truth, and he understands the difference between the two. So I don't think it's just uh, to be marked up to failure to understand or comprehend what the Bible teaches, but rather his interpretation being contrary to what the Bible teaches. I'm very concerned that many believers have celebrated this man's departure from Satanism. I've seen it on Facebook, people uh, posting his testimony and rejoicing, and certainly I don't blame them. But again, I don't think they have searched out the depth of his belief system. Now, after his interview with this uh, woman on Cape Talk, Zwiggler explained what happened, and here I'm going to give it to you in his words. I'm quoting. He said, I had a meeting with council members after I had done all these interviews, and we affirmed that Satanism is growing, and I had to do a ritual by myself to see what was the next step. How do I get more power and influence? And these are still his words. I quote, I opened myself up and Jesus appeared. Listen to this closely now. He said, I was extremely cocky. And I said, whatever. I said, if you are Jesus, prove it. And he flooded me with the most beautiful love and energy. And I recognized it immediately because of what the lady at the radio station had done for me. I recognized the love of Christ immediately. Okay, at first he doubted and said, if you are Jesus, you'll have to prove yourself. I question that because there have been a number of times in the 51 years I've been serving God that I've had visitation where the Lord Jesus Christ came to me and I've never had a problem recognizing that he truly was Jesus. It was an instantaneous knowledge that came with the revelation, and I certainly would never respond with a cocky attitude and say, if that's really you, you'll have to prove yourself. That in itself leads me to believe this was a false apparition, a false image of a demonic spirit that was putting on like it was the true Jesus Christ of the Bible. And that happens. It's happened before. Have there ever been other people who claim to have a visitation of Jesus, and yet it's a, a total departure from the biblical Jesus? Absolutely. Yogananda was one of the most famous gurus ever to come to the West. He wrote an extremely popular book called The Autobiography of a Yogi, and it He also has books where he merges biblical ideas with Far Eastern ideas, and he was masterful at it. I think of all the gurus, of all the swamis, of all the yogis that I was acquainted with back when I was involved in Eastern religions in 1970, he was the most adept at blending the language to make Christianity sound like it really was teaching a Far Eastern worldview. And he claimed to have encounters with Jesus, where Jesus spoke to him and gave him messages and gave him revelation. Well, it was not the true Jesus. It was an impersonation of Jesus. Also, Helen Schuchman, a very famous New Ager who wrote the book A Course in Miracles, Claimed to channel that entire book from Jesus. And yet, in that book, she very clearly says that no one needs to have forgiveness from God. The atonement is fulfilled when we forgive each other. Well, that's absolutely contrary to scripture. And yet, she claimed to get her book from the Lord Jesus Christ, who certainly would not have contradicted himself. Paul warned in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4, he said, if he who comes preaches another Jesus, another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. In other words, don't accept it. You better put up a wall. You better expose it for what it is. So he said that there is a possibility that someone could come preaching a different Jesus with a different message and a different spirit that goes along with it, not the Holy Spirit that confirms the true teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. Even Jesus himself said, take heed that no one deceives you. In the last days, he was asked by the disciples what the signs of that era would be. And the first thing on the list was, take heed that no man will deceive you, for many will come in my name saying, I am Christ, or I am the Messiah. And he didn't necessarily say they would have to be in a bodily human form. There's a lot of spirits that will try to impersonate the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's go through about 20 points that Summarize the beliefs that Ryan holds to while still claiming to be a Christian. And then by the end of it, you need to go ahead and make an assessment yourself and decide whether or not he is a true follower of Jesus. Number one, Ryan claims that Jesus is one of many teachers. That's a traditional New Age teaching. A very definite red flag came up when I heard that in his testimony, that Jesus was one of the teachers, and this is an exact quote, one of the teachers that was God impersonated to show us that unconditional love. Well, I think he meant to say incarnated instead of impersonated, because to impersonate means to copy or to mimic, and the impersonator is not the real thing. But he said that Jesus was one of the teachers that was God impersonated. Hmm. So, I believe as a Christian that Jesus was the only incarnation of God, the only time that God was manifested in the flesh. However, a New Ager says, oh, Buddha was one of the world teachers, and Krishna was one of the world teachers, and they might even mention uh, Guru Nanak of Sikhism, or... Uh, Lao Tzu of Taoism, that they were world teachers. And Jesus is just one of many throwing him in that group. But John 14, 6 is very revealing. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. So he promoted a very exclusive view of the way you can get to God. He was the express image of the invisible God. Number two, Ryan really emphasizes this unconditional love that the radio interviewer gave him and that he felt coming from Jesus. And I agree that God's love is unconditional. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Both those who yield to him and those who rebel against him are greatly loved of God, to the point where he would be willing to sacrifice his only begotten son on the cross for each and every one of us, that our sins might be forgiven. So I agree, love should be unconditional. And you and I, if we're believers, true believers, we should love the world unconditionally, just like Jesus did, the good and the bad. Those that are lovely and those that are unlovely, those that are loveless and unloving. We should love them all. But the grace of God unto salvation is conditional. So that statement that God's love is unconditional makes it sound like you don't have to do anything to be pleasing to God or to claim salvation from God. Continue on in your lifestyle the same way you want to do uh, and, and same things you want to be involved in, it, it matters little because God's love covers it all. That, that's uh, a nice thing to believe, I suppose, but an untrue thing if you allow your interpretation of unconditional love to move over into the area of salvation. Because Ephesians 2.8 says, By grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So salvation comes by faith and by grace. Grace brings salvation to you. But First Peter 5.5 5 says, God gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. So humility is a condition. And then Ephesians 6.24 says, grace be with all those who love the Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. So sincere love for God is a condition for grace unto salvation to come in your life. And over and over and over again, the scripture says, repent and be baptized, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Repentance has to come first. Repentance has to be step number one, and then you can enter the kingdom of God, and then the kingdom of God can enter you. And repentance is not just feeling sorry about bad stuff that's happened in your life. Repentance is genuine sorrow for sin. Number two, it's a hatred for sin. Number three, it's a departure from sin. And number four, it's a sincere yielding to the will of God. And all those are conditions for salvation to take place. So, yes, God's love is unconditional, but salvation is not. Number three, can God visit you and save you in the midst of an evil deed? Because he was in the midst of performing a satanic ritual when he claimed to have this visitation of the Lord Jesus Christ. Is that even possible? I'd have to admit that, yes, it is possible. Paul known as Saul, at that point in his life was on his way to murder Christians when he had a visitation of the Lord Jesus. I have a friend who was a Catholic nun and is now a born-again spirit-filled Christian, and she was saved without asking for it unexpectedly in the confessional. She was confessing her sins to a priest and suddenly had this encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ that was out of the ordinary. I used to go every year to the winter solstice where Yogi Bhajan taught, the guru I studied under back in 1970. And I would witness to various yogis and students of yoga until I'd get thrown out because I would be too disruptive in their estimation. And one year I went to Ocala, Florida to go to the grounds where they held this. And I saw a guy sitting in the bus station and felt drawn to go talk to him. He had real long hair and long beard, so I figured he was probably one of the yoga people in town. And I was right. And he told me how he had been meditating with about, I don't know, a thousand, two thousand people that came for the winter solstice. And Yogi Bhajan had told all of them to meditate on a spiritual leader they admired. And he started meditating on Jesus. And he told me, weeping, sobbing, he said, all of a sudden I had this vision of Jesus on the cross. And he said, I didn't try to make it happen. It just happened. And I realized that was for the sins of the whole human race. And that the whole story about the crucifixion and resurrection was true. And he said, I fell over on my face, weeping right there during meditation. And he said, when I came out of it, I knew I don't fit here anymore but he said, I'm confused about it. I said, God has sent me to you to clear up the confusion and to let you know the true path to God. He was right in the middle of yoga meditation when he had a real encounter with Jesus. So yes, I believe it can happen. My cousin was high on heroin when he got saved and immediately came off of that heroin high. So Jesus can invade any situation. Number four, This is an important question. Is it possible to claim being a Christian and yet be totally deceived? That's a hard question to answer, but I do know there are personalities in Hollywood that claim to be Christian, but they're not really Christian by biblical standards. Oprah claims to be a Christian, but really when you search out her belief, she's a New Ager. Steve Harvey, and I really like Steve Harvey, but I have heard him say with my own ears that Jesus is not the only way to heaven. There's no way he could be the only way to heaven. Well, yes, he is, because only Jesus was born of a virgin. Only Jesus died on the cross for the sins of humanity. Only Jesus rose from the dead, and I like Oprah, too. I think she's a genuine person who cares about other people, but I do believe it's easy to claim the title of being a Christian without lining up to the doctrine behind it, which includes the exclusivity of Christ. Number five, my fifth question, can satanic powers give what appears to be a positive spiritual experience? So this experience that Ryan claimed to have, could it have come from a demonic spirit? rather than the Holy Spirit, rather than the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, when I was involved in yoga, one time I went into this brilliant, intense, white light that was supposed to be ultimate reality, oneness with the oversoul. And I felt this oneness with this impersonal life force. And I thought it was the ultimate experience of union with God. Only when I was born again did I realize that was a deceptive experience. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 23, If your eye is bad, in other words, if your perception is wrong, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is, in dar- is darkness, how great is that darkness? See, if you realize you're in darkness, you're a lot better off than the person who thinks he's in the light, but he's really in darkness. Jesus said, if the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Luke eleven thirty five. 35, he said, therefore, take heed that the light which is in you is not darkness. And then Paul warned us in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen 14 and 15, he said, Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Number six, This is an important question. Ryan introduces himself on some of the interviews he does as a spiritual medium, a spiritual medium. Is there anything wrong with that? And I'm talking about since his supposed conversion experience. Let me give you a quote. He said, we don't have to talk too much about the ability to see. There's so many incidents throughout my childhood that uh, and the interviewer stuck in, you're talking about being a medium and the response, yes, I think it's important for context to say being a medium is one thing, being a psychic, psychic is something else and being a spiritual medium is also something else. Then he said, my ability or gift as I see it today, I was able to see people's energy around them. I saw people who had passed away I would have visitation from these people before they passed away, and then also after they passed away again, I later realized I could foretell things like that. He claims to be a spiritual medium. And then he also said, I used to be very good at doing the work I did. Very. I was considered, and probably still am today, considered one of the top mediums, or psychics of the time. And the gifts that I have, I'm going to use it differently now. So he doesn't refute those gifts. He doesn't say they were wrong or false gifts. He said, the gifts that I have, I'm going to use differently now. And it's about healing people. It's about helping people. Well, what does the Bible say about mediums? Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 12, when you come into the land, which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not learn to follow after the abominations of those nations. And God said, there shall not be found among you anyone who practices witchcraft or a soothsayer, one who interprets omens or a sorcerer or one who conjures spells or a medium or a spiritist or one who calls up the dead. For all who do such things are abominations to the Lord. Why would God call the practice abominable, and why would he say those who do it are abominations? Because it is a false spiritual power that is accessed and false spiritual manifestations that takes place. Number seven, Ryan talks about his spirit gods and talking with angels. Is that acceptable? Is that right? No, the Bible speaks against Familiar spirits, which are another biblical term for spirit gods, and also there's absolutely no account in the Bible where a person can approach an angel or communicate with an angel. Now, angels can communicate with us at God's will, but if you start trying to communicate with them, you're bound to be deceived by false uh, spirits impersonating angels. Number eight, Ryan uses crystals in healing work. And he said that there are 220 references in the Bible to crystals. Well, I don't think of those 220 references, if there are that many, that any of them talk about using crystals to heal people mentally, emotionally, physically, etc. He also talked about using a crystal grid to bring healing in someone's life. A crystal grid is constructed by forming a pattern inspired by, quote-unquote, sacred geometry and placing a powerful health and wellness stone with intention at each intersection of these various crystals. Rocks have no power. The name of Jesus is what heals. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in Exodus 15, 26 said, I am Yahweh Rapha, I am the God who heals you. And Isaiah 53, it says, with his stripes, we are healed. First Peter 2.24 says, with his stripes, you were healed. Isaiah saw it in advance. Peter was looking back at the whipping of Jesus in Pilate's hall and said, with his stripes, we are healed. By that purchase price, the healing that is needed to deliver people from sickness, disease, mental diseases, physical diseases, etc., has been paid, and it all comes through Jesus. Now, this next one will shock you. Number nine, uh, Ryan claims that binding things and rebuking things is Christian witchcraft. Christian witchcraft. And by the way, I get all these quotes, not only from his original testimony, but from presentations he did on his website, And I'm very thankful to someone who helped me to do the research. I'll just mention her first name, Veronica, did a lot of work to get this information together. But uh, also in Mark chapter 9, verses 25 and 26, Jesus was about to pray over this child that was deaf and dumb. And the Bible said he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you come out of him, and the boy was healed. So, I guess Jesus was involved in Christian witchcraft because he rebuked, and also Jesus was talking about dealing with satanic powers in Mark chapter 3 verse 27, and he said, no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man, talking about a demonic power in control of a person. So, By Ryan's standards, Jesus was very involved in Christian witchcraft. Now, number 10, and this is a very important one, Ryan is very bold in admitting that he is gay. Not that he was a homosexual, but that he is gay, and he's never expressed remorse over it at all. And he talks about how Between the ages of 14 and 16, he came to realize he was gay, and it was a great emotional crisis because his parents, who were religious, did not accept that. And he said, if this negative, ugly, sinful human being that I am, if God is so angry with me, then I'm too ashamed to go to or show my face in a church. And he said, I was broken, I was extremely hurt, and people kept telling me I'm going to hell and that God hates me, people in clergy. I'm not talking about just Christians. I'm talking about pastors and ministers. This is his quote. In those churches, people that I went to, to experience some type of acceptance and understanding of who I am. So I was angry at Christianity and religion. And at that time, when I read the satanic, and it was at that time that I read the satanic Bible. So he shifted from a biblical worldview to a satanic worldview because he took it personally. Now, I don't hate homosexuals. I'm not homophobic, but I am against sin, whatever form it takes. I I don't hate liars, but I hate lying. I don't hate thieves, but I hate theft. I don't hate adulterers, but I hate adultery. I don't hate fornicators, but I hate fornication. I don't Hate any of these sins. Uh, I don't hate any of the sinners that participate in these sins. I hate the sin. And you've got to differ- differentiate between the two. You love the sinner and hate the sin. And it's the same with God. God doesn't hate homosexuals, God loves every person involved in the worst perversions and uncleanness and evil. But he loves them enough to deliver them and give them a new heart and make them new creations in Christ with a new set of values. And Ryan talks about his quote-unquote husband as if that's a proper institution, a proper relationship. It's not. Number 11, he claims that God is both male and female and talked about referring to God not as himself but themselves because God isn't just male. Number 12, he steers away from biblical authority because he said, and this is a quote, it's it's not a book, people. In other words, you don't need the Bible. He said, it's not a book. God speaks to us in so many different ways, and it's our choice whether we want to experience that or not. Number 13, Ryan's very universalistic in his views. He urges his listeners to say a prayer to whatever your God, whatever your concept of that is, and say, show me today where I can show little bits of love. And so he doesn't say you've got to have the proper view of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and these three are one. Just pray to whatever you conceive God to be. And then in another quote, he said, I'm not here to warn people against this or that, or this should be your religion and this and that. It doesn't matter doesn't matter to God either in terms of religion, in terms of the light, it doesn't matter. So I'm not going to be one of those people going out preaching to people. A lot of Christians say things like we should go out into the world and tell everyone to become Christian. No, if you love people, that is how people will know that you are the disciples of Christ. So he emphasizes love over truth. Well, the two have got to work together. And he also said, but we have it very wrong as humans. We think it's about what religion you follow. It's not. It's actually not. This is why I do interviews because I don't know if everyone is ready for this information. Mm. Number 14, Ryan is very anti-church. He said, I am not interested in going to churches or claiming that I am now a born again Christian. He also said, I'm not trying to fit into Christianity. I'm not leaving one cage for another cage. Another quote, religion is separating people. It's not about that. It's about love. It's about love. God is love. He also said, I will not go to any church because I've never experienced Christ's love in any of the churches. Well, it's probably because they had a fundamental belief in the Bible. And the Bible said, and let me go back to it and quote, First Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but you are washed. You, are, you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of God. And so that scripture makes it very clear that there's going to be a change in people's lives. He also said, I have a lot of qu- Christians questioning my salvation, but then I question the Holy Spirit in them if they actually have the Holy Spirit. I think that according to certain definitions, I'm not a Christian. That label doesn't matter. The label of being a Christian by biblical standards doesn't matter. Hmm. Number 15, Ryan claims to be connected to Christ consciousness, which is a new age idea similar to connecting with the universal mind that is an essence within every human being, according to new age philosophy, Everyone can attain Christ consciousness, regardless of what religion, because according to New Age worldviews, Christ is not a person, but a principle within every human being. Number 16, Ryan apparently believes in the divinity of all human beings because he said this as time began, we were all one thing, connected, and we, as God, as consciousness, as a collective, Made choices, and he went on to explain how the choice was to envision ourselves separate from the source. But he said, We were God, we were part of this absolute consciousness. Hmm. Number 17 Ryan thinks that God told him there was nothing he needed to be forgiven of. He said, When I saw and felt grace for the first time in my mind, I thought it's too good to be true, I don't deserve it until I was shown but everybody does. It is for everybody. I beg God for forgiveness for a lot of things, but what I kept getting from God, what I kept getting was there's nothing to forgive. It's part of your life. In other words, it's who you are because I've prepared you for something. Mm. I think you'd have to repent and be forgiven for 15 years of involvement in witchcraft and then involvement in Satanism, there's much to be forgiven of. Ryan also believes in reincarnation. He said, we certainly do not come here for one life. If you want to find out why I no longer believe in reincarnation, get my book, In Search of the True Light. And there's a chapter where I tell 13 reasons I no, no longer believe in it. Also, number 19, those who question Ryan's conclusions are demonized because he does not want to be a Christian because of their judgmental attitudes. And to support that statement, he said, who is the accuser? In other words, if we put out accusations, and I'm not accusing him, but I am exposing false beliefs for the sake of the benefit of the body of Christ so that we can have our discernment sharpened in these areas. But he was implying that those who accuse him are under the influence of the accuser, the devil. Number 20, he implies that truth is subjective, not objective, because he says, you don't need to be wrong for me to be right. In other words, we can all be right. You can have your opinion. I can have my opinion. So what are my conclusions? And I'm about to bring it all to a close. He claimed to have done a ritual that was offered to a cluster of demons that were headed up by a principality in order for a certain purpose to be fulfilled. And that purpose was to receive power and influence to promote Satanism more effectively in the world. I believe he got his answer. I believe when he was involved in that ritual, he did get a response from that cluster of demons and that principality. And they gave him an experience that would make him be more legitimate in the eyes of hundreds of thousands of people that wouldn't have never listened to him if he just claimed to be a Satanist. But when he puts on the the appearance of having converted to Christianity, then these false beliefs being a part of his worldview could potentially contaminate a lot of people. So I believe he got his answer. I believe the enemy Uh, did it intentionally so that he could have more influence in areas and among people he never would have had influence over otherwise. He said very bluntly in one of his talks, and I'll end with this, if that man I met, talking about the one who appeared to him, who said he was Jesus, if that man that I met that literally showed himself to me is the new age Jesus, I'm in. So I don't think Ryan is even open for any kind of discussion. God does say, come and let us reason together, but I'm not sure he'd be ready to do that. I hope he does. I hope he contacts me and said, let's discuss these things. I want you to pray for Ryan. In fact, let's pray for him right now. Father God, we just lift up that man to you. And I believe he was sincere, and I believe he was sincere about talking about the importance of love. But I pray that you will convict him over the truth and convict Ryan over sin and bring him to a real and valid experience of salvation according to the biblical standard. In Jesus' name, amen.